It can take great courage to admit that you can no longer keep a commitment or hold on to a relationship or handle a responsibility. When you have reached the end of your energy and your resources, and you come to that point to give up trying to grind through it, that can be a significant moment. And then after may come a fallow season, a time of wondering what to do next, a time of freedom, but also uncertainty. And there is so much potential during this time to renew, to recover, to discern. It's a time to work through what you've left behind in order to truly leave it behind. And then comes the answer to the question, what next? And maybe this is a slow discovery. Maybe it hits you like a bolt of lightning, a glorious epiphany that lays out your next steps clearly. Or maybe you even discover a renewed interest in what you left behind. Or you may discover a turn towards something new and different. There's no way to tell how long it will take for that next new season to come. But there could at least be signs to watch for and active steps to take to help figure it out and usher in its arrival. Welcome to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. past few episodes, we've been exploring the theme of admitting that you can no longer do something. You can no longer engage in an activity or keep a certain commitment or stay in a certain relationship. In general, you just can't keep up the strength or effort that you had before. You have realized something about a particular part of your life that is subtracting from your life rather than adding to it, or subtracting your energy rather than giving you the same passion or excitement or enrichment that it did before. And despite all the expectations around you to power through, You no longer can. And then I followed that up with exploring what the season after that could look like. The time after you have let go of something and then comes a time that may bring uncertainty about what comes next. And I mentioned the parable of the bare fig tree where the owner had the temptation to believe that no fruit may come again and wanted to cut it down 
but with the right care and attention, maybe eventually it could again. So this week, we should talk about the could. This week, we should talk about the possibility in that bear season and what might help us figure out what that could could be. If our proverbial fig tree is bare, what specific ways could we tend to it to help it produce fruit again? Now, this will be by no means an exhaustive list, but there are a few ways to move through this time and to move forward toward the next thing. The first one is turning to others, discerning with others. Now, this may seem so incredibly obvious to some of you, because maybe you've just always done this. This is your default. This is already the first thing that you think of in difficult times. But for others, maybe you're used to relying on your own devices more, or maybe you're suspicious of others for one reason or another. Maybe it's just hard for you to ask for help. Maybe you've been conditioned by life circumstances to just avoid relying on others. Again, for some, reaching out to others, it's obvious. It's a constant thing. But for others, it truly does take intentionality and effort for a variety of reasons. Some listeners may know that I am a fan of Michigan sports. And the main blog that I read to keep up on things pertaining to teams related to the University of Michigan is a blog called MGO Blog. And the owner, the site owner, is a man named Brian Cook. And I've long enjoyed his writing, not just for his insights and his analysis on these sports that I love, but there's always been something about his writing that I've just enjoyed on its own merits. I consider him a bit of an influence on my own writing. Recently, leading up to Michigan's new football season, Brian shared the news that he had separated from his wife. And in the course of sharing this news, he, he tells the story of being so committed to his work, so committed to the running of the website and, and covering these sports so in-depth that his family life suffered. He actually calls his work, Feeding the Maw. He felt like he needed to keep feeding the maw, and that maw demanded more of him than he realized. Now, regular perceptive readers had long sensed that something had been wrong. Brian 
has not been around a whole lot since the pandemic began. And he's hinted at having personal issues that he has needed to focus on, but this was his first time truly opening up about it. And in the course of this announcement, he shared that he would be stepping back from some blog and writing duties. He admitted that he needed to rely more on others than before, so going forward, he would give up some past responsibilities in order to focus on other needed things in his life. He came to a point where he needed to rely on other people and to admit to other people what he could and couldn't do in order to move through his own bear season. Another possibility to discover what's next is to just commit to small acts every day. Eventually, we find new things to do, small things that may help till the ground around your fig tree. But starting with those small things, and eventually you may discover the bigger things. And I repeat the word small because this is a time that you may want to act slowly. No big drastic changes, just tiny steps to keep moving, to keep active, to keep looking around. I think in particular of artists who are feeling themselves in a creative funk. Just taking one brush stroke every day, or writing one measure of notes or writing one page of free-form writing. If, it's, if your bear season is more about recovering from loss, it may just be sending a text to a friend every day to check in. Even just, hey, I'm here. Something to that effect. Something small. Some minimal effort that will keep you from becoming stagnant. And you add enough of those together, and you may begin to discover something more through them. The final suggestion or practice that I want to lift up is to get out of what you're used to. Yes, you've, you've given something up. You've come to that point. But maybe much of the rest of your daily life remains unchanged. Same home, many of the same routines, many of the same practices, and all the while, also the same mindset. And it may be that for you, discerning what could be different involves experiencing something different, something outside the routine, something outside your usual practices, something that gets you out of that same mindset and gets you thinking about something else. 
the writer and cartoonist Allie Brosh, she of the popular blog and book Hyperbole and a Half, she, during her long absence where she went through a series of personal hardships and tragedies, when eventually she reappeared and shared pictures of what she had been doing for those seven years, she shared a lot of pictures of daily walks that she took during that bear season. And a fair amount of these pictures were of telephone poles, or dirt roads, or city streets, or various oddities that she had come across during the various moves and travels. She talked about how during this time she still would write, she would still work on creating something, and at times she would do that in gas station bathrooms or in her car in deserted parking lots. Getting out of the house, getting out of your usual places, helps you get out of your head as well. It could involve a daily walk around your neighborhood. It could involve going to a nearby hiking trail, experiencing the woods, and trying to notice what is around you there. Not just sitting. The important thing is not just sitting surrounded by what you always are surrounded by. This is an example of small acts daily that I mentioned a few minutes ago. These are among the many things, the many ways that you may find to keep nurturing yourself, to open up possibilities, to keep tilling and caring for your bare fig tree. And all the while, the possibility for new fruit grows. take time again to acknowledge how hard all of this can be. Admitting that you no longer can do something, that, that can be hard, and it may not come quickly. Letting something go, something that you have long known as part of your routine or as part of your life, can be disorienting. Leaving relationships in particular, that can take a lot of time and energy and effort and support from others around you. And there comes that uncertainty of what's ahead. We may prefer the safety of what we know, 
And that bear season, that next bear season after you finally let go, that can stretch out for a while. Now, sometimes, in the most fortunate times, letting go of something can actually overlap with knowing what's next, which is wonderful. It's wonderful when that happens because there ends up not really being a bear season, or the bear season actually even overlaps with trying to admit that you can't. In the book of Exodus, after Moses frees the Israelites from Egypt, leads them across the Red Sea and and into the wilderness, they wander around for 40 years. And during this time of wandering, there is a lot of uncertainty. There is a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And it's a popular trope. I know that I've done this as a preacher. It's a popular trope to roll our eyes at the Israelites and their behavior during these 40 years in the wilderness. Because it seems... So often, how much of their time they spend whining, complaining, turning to easier solutions. All the missteps that they made along the way, all the mistakes, all of the acts of unfaithfulness. And sometimes, in their most extreme moments of desperation, sometimes they even said, well, at least when we were slaves in Egypt, we had food. At least we had homes. At least we knew what was what every day. When you're wandering around that long on only the promise that eventually They'll reach something new and glorious and wonderful. You might start to get anxious too. You might start to complain a little bit. You might start to pine for what you had before. Because at least you had something then. At least you knew what was going on. You had, you had certain expectations and routines that you could rely on, not so much in this wilderness, in this bare season, in, in this time where you're just hoping that eventually the fig tree will bear fruit again. In last week's episode, I mentioned the wrestler CM Punk. He was gone from wrestling for seven years. He dabbled and explored and at times criticized his former life. But it took seven years before he could fall back in love with what came before. I mentioned Allie Brosh this week. She also was gone 
for seven years, wandering around the country, doing miscellaneous things, trying to heal from the multiple tragedies that had happened in her life, and also finding new possibilities. And I've mentioned Brian Cook, who has been going through his bear season for the better part of the pandemic, and it might have even started before then. We don't know that. And he even admitted in the same blog post that announced his separation and what's been going on in his life, he says he's still going through it. That's over a year. So if you're contemplating finally letting something go, I guess this is all to say that that next bear season after, it could be a while. Hopefully not 40 years, but it could stretch out. If you're currently in a bear season, it may be that you have just started, or you may have started a while ago and you're still wondering when it will end. And maybe you've finally moved into the next thing. So look back behind you. How long did it take? How long were you in that season before you started to figure it out? Now, none of this is to discourage moving into it. Because there do come points where we do have to admit for our own health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, that it is time to go. That it is time to say, I can't. I don't want to discourage that. I merely want to have you go into the next season with eyes open. It still needs to happen. But you might be in the wilderness for a while. I recently came across a parable by author and speaker Brian McLaren. I'd seen it before, but I had forgotten about it and came back across it this week. It's a parable about a race. The way this parable goes is that there's a community of people who are bored. They go through the same routines every day. They get up, they eat, they go to work, they brush their teeth, maybe they watch a little bit of TV, they go to sleep, and then they get up and do the exact same thing again. And one day, a rumor starts that there is going to be a race at a certain day and time, and the starting line is going to be in a certain place within the community. Now, the reactions from different people in this community, there are a couple different reactions. Some immediately begin training. 
they immediately start to get ready to run this race. And some are skeptical. They're not sure whether this race is really going to happen. So they decide that on that day and time, they're going to show up just to see if it's true. And still others, they don't believe it at all. They don't believe it's going to happen. They think people are just telling stories, spreading rumors, trying to trick people. And they just go on with their routines and their lives as before. And finally, the day arrives. The rumored race day. And everyone realizes that the race is real. There is a starting line set up. And so those who are training and the last-minute participants who, who want to actually participate, they, they get behind the starting line, and a man shoots a starter pistol. The race has begun. And one man in particular, he crosses the starting line, and then immediately kneels down and give thanks. He gives thanks that he has started the race. He's so grateful that he started something. And others see him, and they're filled with gratitude themselves, and they also kneel down, and they start giving thanks that they had started the race. And before... The community knows it. There is this big celebration that the race had started. But the problem is that everyone stopped running. Nobody is running the race anymore. They're just celebrating that there is one. And that they had taken a step. Now, starting. Starting may seem like the biggest accomplishment. Admitting that you can't, letting go of something, trying to reclaim your energy, trying to reclaim yourself, that can be a big moment. That first step over the starting line can be significant. But then, it's time to take another step, no matter how small, and then take another step, and another step, and another step, to see where it all eventually leads. This race might be a sprint, or it might be long distance. It might be a straightforward shot down the track, a hundred yards. Or it might involve some strange twists and turns on roads and through woods. You might be able to see the end, or you might not. But the point is to keep going. No matter how big or small steps you're able to take, we keep going because eventually 
something new will appear. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including my four books, at coffeehousecontemplative.com. I'm also on social media, facebook.com slash RevJeffNelson, and I'm at BoldRoastRev on both Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week.